G'day, Darren Mitchell here. Welcome back to another episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. And uh, I keep saying it, but we keep rolling out phenomenal people to listen to. And today is by no means any exception. Today, I'm speaking with Jason Criddle, who is the Managing Director and founder of Smarter Holdings, Smarter Commerce, Smarter Marketing. He's from Dallas in Texas. He's a father, investor, weight loss expert, international best-selling author of no less than 19 books, and also an endurance and strongman competitor. We uh, we talk a lot about preparation. We talk a lot about progress. And whether you are a salesperson or a sales leader, it is a phenomenal conversation. And there's lots and lots of gold that Jason shares in relation to the importance of making progress not necessarily just getting caught up in the outcome. So without further ado, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. All right, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. And uh, I've got to say, today's guest all the way from Dallas, Texas, Mr. Jason Criddle. Um, if people are watching this on YouTube, and if you do, you got to check out Jason's background because it's okay. um, it's his office, but there's there's toys and, and mate, you're a builder. You're an absolute builder. I'm a builder, man. Fan of, look, is that a Batman thing behind you as well? Yeah, I got those from one of the Lego stores here in Dallas right before it closed down. Wow. Uh, they're they're the actual. I mean, it's it's huge. So like, it's hard to tell, but each one of them is about three or four feet tall. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, they were closing down the Lego store, and I went by there, and they had those up on the shelf, and uh, I asked if I could have them, and the lady looked up at him, and she was like. If you climb up there and get them down yourself, you can have them. So <laughs> I, I climbed my little happy butt up there and I <laughs> and I got them down, man. Sensational. So I've sensation. had those things for I've had those things for years. Love it. But yeah, it's like we were talking about whenever uh right before we started recording. I believe that a man is what he spends his spare time doing. And so, you know, we live in a, a lost age where people where people are looking to appease their boredom mm. and they, they fill it in with TV and they fill it in with drugs. They fill it in with alcohol. They fill it in with bad relationships, whatever. I like to build cars. I like to collect toys. To me, I all I'm doing is I'm recreating the bedroom that I grew up in. Right. Love it. And so having a 14 year old daughter and especially now having a almost three year old son, um, what I'm doing is I'm just, I'm creating a, a childlike environment for them. You know, something that whenever we come home, it feels like home. Whenever we come home, it's cool. It's happy. You know, like there's, there's, there's a lot of fun to do here because there's a lot of serious work that goes on here too. Absolutely. I'm sure is, so is that, is that your home office? Yes. Yes. So I'm sure your nearly three-year-old son would absolutely love just going in that office and looking at all the stuff and you know they use the the phrase kid in a candy store <laughs> right, utopia. Right. <laughs> yeah and it's actually pretty cool because you know he you know from the time he started walking uh he started walking around 
and looking at everything. And we were able to teach him at a very young age that he's allowed to play with the toys that are on the floor. Yeah. And so we don't ever have to worry about him messing with anything. He enjoys the toys. He looks at toys the way that I do. I mean, I can't tell you how many nights where something catches my eye on an action figure that I haven't seen before. And then I take like two or three models of the same action figure that are made by different companies and I put them all out. And I just do like a little compare and contrast of detail. You know, every I grew up reading comics. I learned how to read reading comics. And so every toy that I have has a backstory that goes back to something that I read whenever I was a kid. Yeah. And whenever my daughter asks about toys or whenever uh, we're watching a, you know, we were watching Spider-Man No Way Home over the weekend. And I'm sure my entire family just wanted to watch the movie, but I would pause it and then explain Spider-Man <laughs> philosophy. You know, like every 10 minutes I'm pausing the movie. And um, and so Dad, my daughter... just let me watch the movie. Go already. Right. So anyway, after my daughter said that she absolutely loves it whenever I geek out on my comic book knowledge. So it made Love me feel it. pretty good. Love it. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation because just, just now by what you've been sharing, there's so much I want to delve into in terms of the uh, thought process and the, and the methodology that you use to do what you do. Uh, for the people listening, you're the Managing Director of Smart Holdings, um, founder of Smart Commerce and Smart Marketing. And I love, I love how you describe it on your website, father investor, weight loss expert, international best-selling author, but also an endurance and strongman competitor. Man, that's a really interesting mix. Would you do you do you believe you're one of the most unique individuals with that sort of background on the planet? Uh, I believe I'm one of the most unique individuals on the planet for a lot of a lot of different reasons. <laughs> those are those are just a couple of the of the SEO friendly keywords, right? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I think that I'm a little bit different than most people because <clears throat> because I wake up every morning and I serve God and I go to bed every night knowing that I served God and everything that I do on a regular basis throughout every detail of my day, I'm always asking myself, am I fulfilling my purpose right now? What am I supposed to be doing right now to get me closer to my purpose? And I've been on this path for so long that now I live in expectation. And so even a call like this getting on my calendar, um, you know, it took work on our side to get us on the call. It took work on your side to get us on the call. But by the end of the call, we're both going to be better. We're both going to be closer to God. We're both going to be teaching people things that they've never learned before. And I think that's what makes me unique is the fact that of all the technology, the software, the investment firm, everything, to me, I just use it as a tool to have conversations like this. Yeah, love it, love it. And in terms of what you do now, I'd love to delve into some of the lessons along your journey, but uh, you build online and offline sales processes, uh, particularly in the investment and infrastructure space uh, for companies that are generating, is this correct, over 100 grand a month in terms of sales. So you quite specialize in what you do and you, and you, and you work with big organizations to help them even get better. Where did it all start for you, Jason? What was What was the... I guess the catalyst that led you, uh, not so much because we're all on a hero's journey. I spoke to someone yesterday about this and um, 
what got you into what you do now and was there a was there a pivotal moment or was it more of an evolution over time that one step led to the other that you now find yourself on on this journey this journey <clears throat> this particular leg of the journey all started about 12 years ago whenever i decided to i was 400 pounds and i decided to lose weight my daughter was running around and I was smoking cigarettes and I was miserable in my life. I had a career that I needed to get out of that I had been in for a long time. Um, so I lost a lot of weight and I became inspired by my own journey. Um, I, I went through multiple personal trainers uh, and I discovered that most most personal trainers they look good, but they don't really have knowledge in how to train a body or how to change a body. And yeah. the reason why they're a personal trainer now is because they didn't have really a whole lot of other job choices. And so they got this license because they have a six pack and then people flock to them because they have a six pack. But after months or years of working with that personal trainer, they're still in the same condition. They've plateaued. They've never gotten healthier. Um, I had just gone through a journey of losing 200 pounds and I knew that I wanted to inspire people for the rest of my life. And I knew that I wanted to, I knew that I had the ability to help people change. So I got into personal training. I became a nutritionist um, over my career. Uh, I did a case study where I helped 500 people lose 9,000 pounds. We put on a lot of muscle on those people, which is the way that we were able to lose the weight. Um, and then I started talking to people about it. Like gyms started having me come into the gym and then talk to all the, the participants about my story and about my why and asking them their why. And then people were like, oh, you should write a book. And so I, I wrote my first book and then I wrote my second book. And then, you know, I started a website. And 12 years ago, whenever I would walk into a room, well, I was the only person in the room that had knowledge of how to change my own body, helped hundreds of people lose thousands of pounds. I was the only one in the room that had written a book, and I was the only one in the room with a website. So I started building all these things for other people. I started uh, I started my own publishing company. Uh, I started building websites for people. Um, eventually, everything kind of... I built a website for a broker. Yeah. That broker taught me that I was that I could be making a lot more money in investments than I was making doing what I was doing. Um, on one of the first deals that I did with the broker, I it was just a it was a really simple sales deal, and I cleared more money than I had made in the previous three years with one deal. And so that really taught me the power of leveraging money and leveraging assets building assets so to me whenever i started writing the fifth book in the 10th book and you know eventually i published 19 i, I probably written not a 90 or 100 but editing takes a long time i write <laughs> and i write right but to me each book that i put out was an asset that was going to yeah. be making money and every single time i published a book for another person and it came through my account that was an asset that was making me money um, whenever I started sitting down with these people that I was networking with, and they were all small business owners, they all had the same problems. 
They didn't have enough trust in their brand. They weren't getting enough business. They were spending money on advertising and different channels that weren't working, but the majority of their customer base was repeat and referral. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to build a piece of technology that took the place and became the trusted relationship for a referral to happen. Instead of a handshake, you sell this for me and you get paid, you know? And, um, and before I knew it, man, I had a software company and, you know, when I was building those websites, it was so frustrating because this person needed the website and this person needed a website and this person needed a website and they all needed a website and I knew what they needed, but they all knew what they wanted. Yeah. And they all took my time and they all stressed me out. And eventually I was like, you know, all the great sell software company or all the great software companies out there that are worth billions of dollars, they all have one piece of software and they work on that and they do it really well. Yeah. And so I knew that building custom websites wasn't going to work. And so we created the smarter app company. Yeah. And dude, it's, it's grown from there at the, at the back end of everything that we have, we're a merchant processor, which is powerful beyond belief because it allows me to build so many layers of technology on top of our merchant processing. And then at the same time as an investment firm, it allows me to, instead of if a company comes along and they need $10,000 worth of legal paperwork to give us 30% of their company, well, we can skip all that and I can just go in the back end and say, I'm taking 30% of this person's transaction for this amount of time. And then we help that company grow. Wow. That's how it all started, brother. Man. So 400 pounds to 200. My ass, how long did that take? And what was the, because it, it's it's obviously, a, there would have been a lot of challenges and a lot of obstacles along the way. Um, yes. And um, if, if you look back on that, what was what was the key lesson through that process? Because it's it's obviously led, because what you've articulated is, is a great path and it's a great example of a hero's journey that things kind of not so much fell into place, but there was because of the situation you're in and probably because of the decisions you made to move forward, it presented another opportunity. But at the right. time, you probably wouldn't have thought 12 years ago that you'd be sitting here in this sort of office talking right. to me about your journey, right? But it's an evolution. Right. Yeah. So what was the what was the key lesson you learned in the in the process in the in the early days of going from 400 to 200? That's 50%, man. Yeah. Um the key driver in all success. It doesn't matter if it is a relationship, it doesn't matter if it's a business, and it doesn't matter if you're trying to get healthy. The key driver in all success is mapping out progress. There is a lot of power in taking a picture of yourself when you start a journey and then taking a picture 30 days later. Mm. And when you start to lose motivation and when you start to think that none of your work is paying off and when you look in the mirror every single day and you go, I'm still fat, I'm still fat, I, I'm, I'm still unhealthy. I've been working my ass off. I go to the gym every day. I eat better food. 
I've learned about macronutrients. I've trained myself in nutrition. It doesn't matter what I do, what I do, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not getting anywhere. And you just think that in your head and you want to give up until you compare this picture against this picture. And then you're like, what? What just happened? Mm. And then you see real progress. And so whenever you have this picture and you have this picture, and then the next month you have this picture, your decisions start changing because when you first start out, you're like, how many times do I need to go work out in order to see results? But then when you see results and you go, these are the decisions that I made for the last 30 days. So if I make these different decisions the next 30 days, then I can see even more progress. Mm. Well, the same thing happens in business. The same thing happens in sales. Somebody goes and they get a sales job and they think to themselves, how many people am I going to have to talk to in order to make a sale? Well, when you make that first sale and you get that first paycheck, it's like, how many people can I talk to fast enough? You know what I mean? But then at the same time, what are different decisions that I can make for the next 30 days that I didn't make in this 30 days? Well, I'm not a published author. Maybe if I write a book and become an authority, then people will look at me different. Um, I don't necessarily look good in a suit, but maybe if I work on my body and I lose weight, then I can look a little bit better and feel a little bit better about myself. Hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've been wasting this time. I've been wasting this time taking this substance in the evening so that I could get past my boredom. Well, what if instead of allowing myself to not care about my boredom, I allow myself to get pissed off about my boredom yeah that's where real change comes from and so i teach people how to make progress when you see a difference in your bank account it's the same thing as seeing a difference in a progress picture of going to the gym yeah in business your progress meter is how much more revenue am i making how much less stressful is my life? You know, what kind of potential business partners am I attracting right now? And what kind of business partners could I attract if I make these changes to my actual self? Yeah. You know, just so I have, uh, you know, we talked about it before we started recording, uh, but I, I have like a, a nice little Porsche now. It's my first Porsche. I've I love cars. This is my 64th car. I love cars. 64. Uh, dude, I, <laughs> you know, I don't, not all at once, but I just love cars. I love different cars, exotic cars. And so even though it's a used Porsche, even though it has some mileage and it has some dings and some dents and stuff like that, it's my first Porsche and I love yeah. this car. Yeah. And so now my 14 year old daughter, she finally understands daddy's love for cars she finally gets it she loves that car she loves it she loves sitting in it she loves driving places in it anytime i go anywhere she like starts getting dressed just because she wants to go sit in the passenger seat of the car so so she asked me the other day she was like she said when you give me your car <laughs> <laughs> love it he said when you give me your car 
you know, what new Porsche are you going to get? Because I told her that I was think, you know, I was already looking at some new models and everything. And she said, when you get your, when you get me your car, what new Porsche are you going to get? I was like, probably, you know, a newer 2020 to 2024. Of course, by then it'll probably be 2025 or 2026. I was like, you know, I have a Porsche Panamera. It's a four door. It fits my six foot six ass. (laughs) And, uh, and I said, you know, like I have the the V8, the S. I was like, it's probably going to be a 2024 all-wheel drive GTS twin turbo, you know, with this with this color, this interior. It's going to have this these bells, these whistles. It's going to have everything that I want. And she was like, how much is it? And I was like, the retail on it right now is about $184,000. And her mouth drops open. And she goes, how could you like she's like i would never pay that much for a car because she's like i she's like that's so much money i i could i would never pay for that much for a car i wouldn't i can't even figure out how to afford a car like that and i said bingo whenever you want a one hundred and eighty four thousand dollar car you don't say i can't afford it yeah you ask yourself what changes do you have to make to yourself to be a person that can't afford it yeah powerful and that's and that's the thing that's a great lesson there because there's a number of things through what you've just been talking about is in sales and sales leadership because i love i love your focus on progress because i'm very much the same and when i work with sales teams and sales leaders we always get the and running a business you would know this you set your goals for the year and you got your targets and that's that's there right that's not going to change but unfortunately, too many sales leaders tend to focus all of their attention on that number. And if you're not hitting that number, then you need to put some place, things in place to actually get that number. Versus I'm saying, well, the number's never going to change. So let's just put that aside. Now, what are the behaviors? What's the attitude you need to have so that you can start to make progress? And if you do the daily things really well, you will actually get to a point where that will get closer and closer and closer. But don't focus all your attention on that. So it's the, as you just talked about is, okay, if we've got a really big mountain we have to climb, if you just look at the size of the mountain, you think that's too far. I don't think I'm capable. And you're defeated before you even start versus saying, well, how could I get closer? How could I start to make progress towards that? Because the closer I get to it, maybe I'll find out things about myself that I didn't actually know I didn't give myself credit for. And you start to evolve your your process and your thinking patterns to the point where you might start to believe, you know what, this is possible. When that changes, everything's possible. So going from a position of I would never afford or never think about affording a $184,000 car. And by the way, in Australia, that is probably going to be the equivalent of about three hundred and twenty grand, based on the exchange, exchange yeah. nice. rate. <laughs> it's a case of, well, hang on a second. Why can't we? Why can't we have that? And in Australia in particular, unfortunately, we've got this thing called the tall poppy syndrome. So we don't we don't necessarily want to go out and say, oh, I'm going to buy a $500,000 Ferrari, for example, because people think you're an absolute wanker. Why would you have that? But it's representation of where you've come from and who you are now that gives you a position where you can have the responsibility to be able to have that. That's the progress. Really powerful. Yeah, and and the progress comes from paying attention to the processes. And so whenever you see that I build sales processes, it's it's based on what you're saying that goal is never going to change but 
you know, every single time I go to the gym, let's see if you can see this. I write yeah. down every rep and I write down every set. I write down all my weight. I total up my volume. I have tons of these for years. And I used to give these to my clients. So on this particular day on chest press, uh, it was obviously a volume day. I can look and I can see my warm-up sets. I can see my working sets. I can see the total volume. Whenever you calculate the total weight or the total reps and the total sets, I lifted 13,775 pounds with my chest. Wow. So that tells me that if I want to exceed from that day, then the next time I go work out my chest, I need to do at least 14,000 pounds. I need to do more yeah. than I did last time. So I, instead of focusing on, oh, I have this goal of losing 200 pounds or whatever that goal is, I focus on becoming really damn good at showing up at the gym and mm -hmm. making sure that I do more each time. Yeah. And so, like you said, whenever you're talking to sales teams, we do the same thing. They have that goal and they say, well, this is the thing that we need to hit. And then we need to hit that thing a year from now. So we break it down into each month. We break it down into each week. We break it down into each day. And instead of looking at that's that big number that you have to hit, it comes yeah. down to this is what you have to do today. And if you do this, and if you become better at doing this every day, and if you do more than this every day, we'll all exceed that number up there by the time the end of the year comes. Absolutely. Because what you're saying there is if you fun fundamentally focus on the day-to-day -day disciplines and can measure it, because you can't manage stuff you can't measure, then the number literally will take care of itself if you remain disciplined in order to do the things you need to do on a daily basis. And it's like right. that that conversation you're having before around taking the progress pictures when you started 30 days later, because at the time you're going through things and whether this has been weight loss or fitness or, you know, learning how to play a guitar or sales, whatever the case might be, when you're going through it on a day-to-day -day basis, you don't necessarily notice the changes, but there's small incremental changes that are happening every single day, but other people will start to notice. And if you haven't seen people for say 30, 40, 50 days, they'll start to notice a difference. So there's something different about you, Jason. What's been going on? And that's just right. a reinforcement that you are making progress. And for some of us, that's enough to say, you know what, I'm going to continue on this journey. And the key thing is you've got to stay on the journey because how many people give up too easily because they don't get the instantaneous results because society, what's society telling us? Get it now. Right. Have it now. Don't wait. Right. Don't wait for you know two years. Right. Have it now. Instant gratification. The weight loss industry is eight times larger than the fitness industry. That means for every dollar someone spends on fitness, eight dollars are being spent on the quick solution. Yeah. You know, and even the Porsche that I drive now, the Porsche that I drive now is a representation of that progress. Yeah. You know, like... Uh, whenever I was building my 71 Cutlass Supreme, before before the 71 Cutlass Supreme, I had a Humvee, an actual big, uh, one of the big uh, military uh, H1, you know? That <laughs> goes through and, walls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and one of the things that I've learned from having cars, having nice cars that 
people look at, the people go, that's a $100,000 car. When people see you in the $100,000 car, they know you mean business. Yeah. And another cool thing about having a car that gets attention like that is especially in sales. One of the one of the hardest things that you could possibly do in sales is what? Lead generation. Starting a conversation with a new prospect. Yeah. My cars start conversations that I never have to start. Yeah. When I pull up to a gas station, whenever I go to the gym, it doesn't matter what I'm doing in my daily basis, especially having a Porsche and especially owning an investment firm that concentrates on high dollar clients. When I pull up my car somewhere, my clients come to me and I don't mm -hmm. even have to start the conversation. They know that I'm serious because of the car that I'm driving. And then once they Google me and then they see all the progress that I've made, they're like, what can, how much money can I give you today? What can yeah. I buy from you today? What can I, what can I pay for, for you today, sir? What kind of meal can I buy you? What can I do for you? And then all of a sudden you realize like I've built my life to the point to where I'm valuable. And a lot of people try to become successful before they become valuable. Yeah. All I've been doing for the last 12 years of my career is building more value in myself and not focusing on the success. And through that process, how much of the value building in yourself has been uh, serving others and helping All others? All of it. Yeah. Every bit of it. So this is the key the key point that you, in order to start your journey, and there was, there was obviously a... Um, whether it be an inflection point or a coming to Jesus sort of moment 12 years ago when you said, you know what, I'm 400 pounds, something's got to change, right? So um, I'm not sure I'm not sure if you said you were frustrated. There was something you said, something's got to change. So you're on that journey. Once you did it for yourself, and, I, and we say this to leaders all the time, that in order for you to lead, and in my case, exceptional teams, and to be an exceptional leader, you first have to learn how to lead yourself. Because you know you know service to anybody if you can't first serve yourself and and know know your wife first and foremost. So you've got to start. So something has to be pushing that momentum and getting you to start to to move. But at the end of the day, success is not about you. Success is a byproduct of the service that you provide to others. And yeah. if you can do that, then you always get taken care of. And and this is I love your thought on this because. In the world that I operate in, a lot of a lot of organizations with their sales teams make it all about their own organization and their own products and their own services. And they almost go out and try to convince the marketplace that they are worthy of doing business with. Versus if you take a completely different focus and say, you know what, we might have the best products that we think, but the customers don't care about that. What they care about is they have a problem they need to solve. Can we potentially solve the problem? So if we go out and serve them and be genuinely interested in them through that process, they will start to become interesting interesting or will become interesting to them. So it's all about servitude. Would would you what would you what would you say to that? What's your thoughts on on that? You use the word byproduct, which is something that I use a lot. Money is the byproduct of the value that you provide to other people. Um, with especially with the internet. I call the internet the it's a, the the hypothetical magic button magic button and the magic button right and so 
people believe that the internet is a magic button. I've always said, Darren, that business cards should come in boxes of six. <laughs> six? Yeah, not a thousand, but six. Because that's usually how many business cards somebody hands out before they decide that business cards don't work. <laughs> right? Nice. So just give them the six. Just give them their six business cards and let them fail. And then, and then it'll be easy. And you can even charge the same amount for the six that you do for the thousand because it doesn't matter because that's just going to become another box, another failed business in the garage. <laughs> so, so the problem with this immediate gratification and the shark tanks and the glorified entrepreneurship, which I could talk about all day, the the word entrepreneurship is or entrepreneur is so watered down now because everybody's an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, there's probably I consider myself an entrepreneur. And then there's probably another 10 or so that we see in the news all the time. And those are real entrepreneurs. Um, everybody believes that or they want to believe that if I go. I have this really great idea. I'm a really awesome person. If I just make this video right now, then I can attract millions of people and I can do all this. Like everything will be so great. Things will come to me. If I just write this book, yeah. then I'll become a best-selling author. If I just make this website, then everybody will come to me. Well, the problem with that is, is it doesn't matter where it is that you look in society at the greatest entrepreneurs, they all started in a garage. Yeah. It all started small. Whenever I was a personal trainer, I realized that there was only so much time that I could dedicate to my clients and to my growth if I was scheduling one person every 30 minutes in these little time slots. So I closed down my for-profit business and I created a nonprofit and started educating people for free so that I could bring masses together. Because when I brought masses together, all of a sudden I was able to play the numbers a little bit more for the things that I was selling. Mm. Before I knew it, man, all of my social media, I was getting on the news, like people were asking to interview me. I It was all because I was just helping people come together. I was building communities. I was building communities of runners. I was building communities of bodybuilders. I was, I was taking average, regular, everyday people, and I was taking to them to Sprouts, and I was teaching them how to read labels and how to shop. I would then take them to my house, and I would show them how to cook healthy meals. Yeah. I never charged anybody for any of this. Yeah. I did this for years. For years, I would meet someone, and they would say, man, I got this really good business idea. I really, I, I, I want to write a book. I need a website. I need a piece of technology. And for years, I was the one paying for it. Mm -hmm. I was the one saying, I can do that for you. I can help you do that because I've been through that before. And it was just serving, 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 building up people, building trust in people, 
getting the third party validation from the trust that I had built in people. Everybody's missing that now. They think that if I go and put this, vi I'm a complete no one that's never done anything for anybody and nobody <laughs> knows my name. But if I just make a video and tell everybody that I'm a guru, then everybody will believe that I'm a guru. And then all of a sudden I'll, I'll, I'll start making money. And then they never make money because they're trying to become successful without being valuable. That's it. I've never tried to be successful. All I've tried to do is become a more valuable, a more helpful, a more serving person. And that's just built success. And as you're talking, um, the word that came to mind right there was abundance, right? So you, you're thinking right. that if I continue to focus on helping others, serving others, creating creating maybe a pathway that's a little bit shorter than perhaps the pathway that I've gone down, but I'm passing on that experience, then there'll be a, there'll be an abundance and you'll always be taken care of because it's the classic law of reciprocity and you're not doing it for any transaction versus the person that puts the video online and says, hey, come buy my stuff because I am a, I'm an expert in this particular area, but they don't have the credibility. They haven't got the grazed knees. They haven't fallen down with a chipped tooth. They haven't gone through the, the hard stuff. They haven't known what it's like to be a failure, to be ridiculed, to be to be not trusted, but they've had to build themselves. You've got to build yourself back up again. If they haven't gone through that process, how can they talk with any credibility? Because eventually they'll get found out. Eventually, you get found out. So um, absolute key lesson there for anybody listening to this is it's not a short-term journey. And how many times do you hear, and I'll be interested in your take on this, when when you meet people for the first time and they see, quote-unquote, your level of success, you know, driving a nice portion, you know, running a multi-million dollar organization, et cetera, et cetera, how many people look at that and say, oh, you're so lucky? Enough to where I would be spending lifetimes in prison if I hit people when they said it. <laughs> the reason why people say you're so lucky is because they cannot possibly fathom the work that it took for you to get there. So they attribute it to luck. They cannot think about the years. Because years are composed of months and months are composed of weeks and weeks are composed of days and days are composed of hours. And when you're on this journey, there's a lot of hours that go by where there's no progress, where there's yeah. nothing happening, where it where you're living on a couch just to make ends meet, where you're beating your steering wheel and you're crying because you don't know if you're going to be able to feed your kids that night, mm. like these are things that people cannot imagine going through because they literally have no basis of comparison. I also believe that lack of basis of comparison is one of the things that's going on with society today. Um, you know, with this immediate gratification, well, you have generations of people now that have been born with technology. You have generations you know, husband and wife is a really good example. If you go back a couple of generations, a man would have to 
meet a woman in grade school and then impress her through high school and then graduate college and then get a career and then get his own house and his own car. And then he would say, baby, we can finally sleep together. Right. <laughs> and, like, and it took all of that for that woman to submit to the man, to be a wife, to the husband, to have children with but now these boys can just get on a dating app and they can send their picture of their penis to a girl and they send enough pictures. Well, hopefully in the next 10 minutes, they'll have some person coming over for a meet for meaningless sex. Right now, how does that compare to today? What we're talking about? It's the same thing. They didn't have to work for it. Yeah. Years ago, we spent our lives you know, and that's, I've lost everything doing this. I've lost every aunt. I've lost every uncle. I've lost my mom. I've lost my dad. I've lost friends. Yeah. I've lost homes. I've lost cars. I've lost money. I've lost laptops. I've lost entire, entire rooms of furniture that I worked my ass off to get and then had to sell them to do an upgrade because we were hacked. Yeah. Like people are not, most people are so incapable of imagining the amount of difficult decisions that I've had to make over the last 12 years of this leg of my journey yeah. that I must be lucky. Yeah, it must be just it was just complete chance. It was just an act of God. Look at this guy. This guy didn't have to do anything for it. It just all fell on his lap, you know, and that's he's how people see it. Touched. He's being touched. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but if they only knew, right. So but I also think that um, the people who think that are also the people that if I'm building a business, if I'm building a team, they're probably not the type of characters that I want to have in the team anyway because at the first sign of any challenge or any obstacles, they'll be running for the hills or be looking for somebody else to come and save them. Now, if you look at children today, gross generalization, I know, but there's a lot of children now that go through their early childhood years um, getting the participation trophy or not necessarily learning what it's like to not be picked for a team or to not come first. And when they get into adulthood, really concerned about well, what's going to happen in the real world when they are having to deal with people who are not going to be so loving, who are going to actually give them really direct feedback. How are they going to operate if they haven't experienced setbacks? Now, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but everything you've experienced over the last 12 years has got you to where you are right now. And if you look back, and again, I'm not going to put words in their mouths, but I'm sure you're looking back, you'd be thinking, you know what? I'm actually probably pretty grateful for my, for my, I guess, my experiences and the things that happened. Because if they didn't happen, not so much the fact that I wouldn't have the success I am I have today, but I wouldn't be the person I am today. And therefore, the person I am today, I can now serve more people because I'm real. I'm authentic. The... Uh... One of the first, one of the, I wasn't an athlete in school. I was a fat kid. I didn't start using my body until my mid twenties. Mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned before you're six foot six. 
Yes, yes. So I have I have four different rewards that I got in my fitness journey. And I remember the very first one. Um I was a I was really good at deadlifting. Uh, the last five years or so that I was in the swimming pool industry, I cleaned pools for 12 years before I got into all this. I know it's like night and day, but cleaning pools and doing landscaping taught me how to build a business. It taught me that you don't ask investors for money. You knock on doors. Yeah. Um, the exercise was uh, 12, 15 or 21, 15, 9. And so you had three different exercises, a deadlift, uh, ring dips, dips on the Olympic rings, and then pull-ups. And you had three sets. On the first set, you had to do 21 deadlifts, 21 ring dips, 21 pull-ups. The second set, 15, 15, 15. The third set, 9, 9, 9. Now, <clears throat> on that deadlift, it was a 255-pound deadlift. And whenever they said, this is our workout, I had been working, I had been, I had been trying to win for years. But like you said, you look at, you look backwards, right? I had a 560 pound deadlift. And the reason why I was able to deadlift 560 pounds once is because I got really good at deadlifting 400 pounds five times and i got yeah. really good at deadlifting 315 pounds 10 or 12 times in a row i was the only person that i knew that would warm up with 225 pounds at a 20 rep set so whenever they put up there this is what the workout is and i saw that every man in here is going to have to do 255 pound deadlift 21 times. I'm the only person in here that's been practicing for this workout for the last three years. I'm the yeah. only person in here. So on this day, when they announced the workout, I knew that I won before it ever started because I knew that I had already put in the work that nobody else had. Yeah. And by the time I started my deadlifts on my second set. All the men were finishing up their first set of deadlifts. They still had the ring dips to do. They still had the pull-ups to do. I picked up that 255-pound bar 21 times, and I didn't stop until I put it down. Yeah. And I was the only one in there capable of doing it. It's because of the work. And so whenever somebody does say something like luck, we usually attribute luck to being in the right place at the right time, but there's a lot of intersections, brother. And if you are not the right person with the right infrastructure and the right knowledge and the right know-how and the right validation, then it doesn't matter if you show up in the right place in the right time because opportunity will pass right over you and it'll go straight to the person that was prepared for that that's moment. That's it. And that's it because you were prepared. And, and it comes back to what you're saying, I think, before even – press and record it's it's the things the character is what you do when nobody's looking right so it's between the when people are seeing you what are you doing when at night time what do you what sort of what sort of work you're putting in are you educating yourself are you moving forward are you looking to make that incremental improvement 
And you're trying to learn something today that you didn't learn yesterday, but learn something tomorrow that you didn't learn today or haven't learned today. So that that example, the, the 255 or 225 pounds, um, others were looking at that all like, you already done that because you're prepared. Right. And it put you right. and it differentiated you in front of in front of everybody else. And the other thing it was that I'm hearing is there was no there was no big noting, right? Because the other the other thing is it's there's a lot of people that are really good at talking to talk, going back to the, I guess the guru uh, approach, right? Um it seems to me that you're quite a down-to-earth pragmatic um, type of person to say, I'm just getting stuff done because I know what is, actually needs to happen in order to make progress. And if I continue to make progress, then I'll start to get the rewards based on that progress. Right. I don't, I manage myself. I manage my time. I seek out problems. I seek out more responsibility on a regular basis. Whenever I do fulfill a goal i find more goals to fulfill you know and like i was like we were talking about er earlier a lot of people spend their free time trying to appease their boredom and i spend my free time today making sure that tomorrow's free time is more productive for whatever challenge that i choose to take on and i am able to do that because i'm finishing today's challenges mm. To me, it's all really simple. And that's one of the funny things about this is when I talk to someone that doesn't have the motivation, you know, whenever, like you said, you find the people that you want on your bus to success, right? Yeah. And the people that think you're lucky, if somebody comes up to me and they say, oh, you're just lucky. Well, they're not going to get as far as with me as someone that goes, bro, I've already read two of your books and I've been listening to your podcast you are a hard ass worker, you know, how can I work hard to do this in my life? How can I do this A, B, and C so that I can achieve any measure of success that you have? And when somebody says something like that to me, I will teach them all day because I know that they're, they might be more prepared for the work. Yeah. I will work with athletes all day. Whenever I see somebody that's in shape, especially if that person went through a weight loss journey, you're on my sales team mm. because I know you know what it's like to feel like a failure, but keep going. Yeah. And brother, let me tell you, man, losing 200 pounds has nothing to do with what you do in the gym. And it has everything to do with what you do here and what you do here because yeah. you only spend you know, my clients used to, I would see my clients on average for an hour and a half each week. There's 166 and a half other hours where you can fuck up. Yeah. What are you doing in that time? Because that's what matters. Yeah. It's the stuff that you do when nobody's watching that will that count for everything. Love it. Love it. So, mate, this has been a fantastic conversation. I'm conscious of time. Um for people listening to this, what's one key piece of, I guess, not so much advice, but it might be similar to what we just talked about. Is there anything that's still top of mind for you that for somebody who might be struggling to extract potential out of their out of their business, out of their sales team, or out of their their own performance, that that you could leave us with? 
repeat what makes income. Um, most business owners spend time doing busy work. And I spend time doing building work. Yeah. And so whenever a business owner wakes up in a day and they go, oh, I'm so busy because I have these 20 things to do. I'd be willing to bet that of the 20 things that they have to do, 18 of them are things that they're doing just so they can tell people that they're busy. Yeah. And then two of them are things that make income. Mm. So you need to be doing those two things 20 times. You don't need to be doing these things that keep you busy. You outsource what keeps you busy and you concentrate on what makes money. Yeah. So revenue generating activities rather than busy generating activities. Love it. When I go into a company that's failing, when I go into a company that's trying to scale and you get this so much better. Excuse me. How many companies are making tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and they don't even know how? Mm. Like the money just comes because there's so much going on in the company and they have this advertising and this revenue, this stream and this marketing and this. They, there's so much going on that they want to open up another location, but if that location is going to be as successful as this one, we got to figure out how this one became successful. Yeah, That's what I do. I walk in and I see what's working and then I see what's not working. And in a lot of times that means somebody's going to lose their job or many people are going to lose their jobs. Mm. So of everybody that's going to lose their jobs, who's going to learn sales? <laughs> Which happens to be one of, if not the most, um, well, lucrative, but also one of the greatest professions on the planet. Because we're all in sales. A lot of us mm -hmm. don't like to be in sales, but we're all right. in sales, every, every single right. person. So, I mate, this sales, has been man. an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, for, for sure, people, man. For people who, because you've written 19 books, um, published 19 books, uh, for people that want to know a bit more about Jason Criddle, the man, um, where's the best place for them to connect, but also get a bit of a sense of what it is that you do? Uh, man, Google is a really good place to find <laughs> everything. There's so much. There's so much. But I mean, literally, it's like it's like Google has kept track of 12 years of my career. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's really cool. So like, even if you look on my media page on my website, like... I have interviews going all the way back to like 2013, 2012. Yeah. To me, that's cool because that shows, you know, it. that's only a fraction of the things that I've done, but at least it shows the track record. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, man, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, they can Google Jason Criddle. They can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, and then I give everybody one free phone call. So if anybody needs any help with their business, if anybody wants to talk sales or wellness relationships, anything like that, then I give everybody a call and they can schedule me through my LinkedIn. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, Jason, the only thing that I have to add to this is yeah, you're going to come on my show. So <laughs> we're going to flip this. We're going to flip the script and I'm going to Jason you, and I'm going to figure Darren out. All right. <laughs> No worries. Love, love, love that. I'm not sure I could compete with um, as many beautiful toys in the background because I've just got <laughs> loads of books. So, <laughs> right. 
Mate, absolute pleasure. And, um, hey, look forward to connecting again. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Darren. All the best. Cheers, mate. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.